we are back for episode two of the Nitty Gritty. Wow, I didn't think I'd make it past episode one, but here I am. Yeah, congrats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, super special day today uh, for episode two. Uh, the name of that tune coming in was Without Falling in Love. The artist was Billy, or is Billy Rafool. Um, my guest today is Alex C, and he's a local kid here from Windsor. He is um, not only a phenomenal workout partner, <laughs> but he is a graduate from the University of Windsor, also a graduate of E.J. Lajeunesse and the Blackbird Academy of Music down in Nashville. I am honored to have him here today, and um, Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This is this is awesome. It's gonna uh, be fun. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Um, I brought some spirits in here today yeah, to um, cheers, salute, loosen uh, loosen things up a little bit. But yeah. you know, we'll we'll get into um, the nitty gritty of your um, background and your your rise into uh, the music industry. But I just wanted to get your take on the song without falling in love. Maybe just explain to novices like myself that really sit back when we when we drive in our car and listen to a tune or we have our headphones on and we're listening to music maybe just dissect that song and what do you hear in that song that most of us don't hear uh well i spent i mean i spent two years kind of making that track and building all the instruments and stuff like that so i mean i hear a lot i hear every detail of that song but there's a lot i mean the, the core of it is uh some you know, heavily programmed drums, a lot of like electronic drums, uh, electronic instruments in there. Um, you got Billy's great vocal sitting on top of everything, which is just, uh, you know, driving the whole song. And it's just, it's kind of a bombastic uh, anthem, I guess, of, you know, the song kind of revolves around, uh, you know, trying to not fall in love with someone. Like, like how are we going to do this without falling in mm -hmm. love, you know? kind of thing um and i don't know it, it's there, there's just a lot going on i mean that's it's a very uh you know it's it's the track is kind of feels like mayhem a little bit you know it starts off with like this like slow uh piano intro with with billy um and then i take you know his vocals and pitch them up and create a bunch of crazy effects with them um and then we drive up into these like big choruses with big background vocals right. and just it kind of feels like it explodes into the choruses so it, that's what it, it sounds like it's an incredibly co complex tune uh with a lot of layers and for episode one we had the autumn kings um as our guest and i i asked them what their creative process looked like and and um it, it was interesting and it was it was pretty methodical for a song like without falling in love how how much time does it take from the time it's a seed in somebody's head to you put your final approval or, or somebody's final approval or when billy says okay this is great let's Let's yeah, that one took it. a while. I don't know if they're all they're all supposed to be like that, but that one took a while because Billy and I had been living together in Nashville. I mean, he was writing a lot mm -hmm. in Nashville. So one day he came home uh, with this song and was like, hey, man, I have this vocal and this guitar track. Do you want to try to produce a track to it? Mm -hmm. And so I did, and we, I mean... It, what, we didn't have any intentions of it being released. It was just kind of like, let's, let's see where we can put this, you know, see how we can create this. And uh, it, it went through so many different containers. Like the, the lyrics and the melody went into a bunch of different, I call them containers, but a container is, is a version of the track, right? And I had like, I had gone through so many different versions of the track, you know, with different parts, different instruments, different drum patterns, mm. this, that, 
And so it was just a matter of like, I mean, we, we actually put it to bed. We, we got to, I think it was like, it was like revision 24 of it. We had like 24 different wow. versions of it. Yeah. And wow. then we put it to bed. And one day, this is a couple years later, um, Billy kind of called me and was like, Hey man, this, this revision six is, is good. You know, <laughs> yeah, like he ended yeah. up going back and listen to it. And, uh, someone from his label, uh, loved it and really wanted him to drive that song and, and try to complete it. So I went back and kind of did some work on it a couple years later and we ended oh, okay. up getting it mixed and mastered. But that, I mean, from the time that that song was written to the time it was released, it had to have been three, four years. Uh, he may have even written it a few years before that. He may have had it in his head. Yeah, so, that's yeah. Fa- that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And I, I, so many things in our world are so, I mean, they're almost produced in, um, in a laboratory uh, methodical sense where there's part A, part B, and part C get put together, and then they get shipped off to someplace and then they're all packaged and um there you have a final product to, for everybody and th- but this just sounds very or th- the whole process of producing a final polished version of a song sounds very organic and not um not sure the right word but it it, it doesn't it sounds like it's not pretentious it's not a pretentious process at all it's very organic and uh, the end product doesn't necessarily uh finish where somebody's initial thoughts started with it which is yeah it's definitely a journey man like you know especially if you know this one was a little harder because like i said he came to me with just a a guitar and a vocal so you i find the biggest challenge producing songs you know i can record and mix all i want but the biggest challenge when you're producing and you're part of the creative you know heavily part of the creative process is uh figuring out how the movement of that song is gonna go where are the moments like where are the big moments where are the little moments and how are they how are you going to connect them together and make those transitions smooth and kind of seamless and feel good without making people kind of right back off and be like wait what happened there you know it's all got to kind of fit together like a puzzle piece so that's that's the hardest part about it for sure interesting and yeah. so there's you have the creative process which you undertake um with with Billy just we'll say Billy because you know it's that that we're talking about his song but then you've worked with other artists, and how how different is that process with the other artists? Um, does it vary? Does it vary heavily? Is it like a big yes and no? Or? Yes and no. It depends. Like like I said, if if an artist comes to me with a piano and a vocal and a song, and you know Billy comes to me with a guitar, vocal, and a song, my process is pretty similar. Now, what I'm gonna do with those might differ depending on the artist, right? If uh, if someone like Heather Jansen, you know, wants me to produce a song for, I have to cater to to her style of singing and her style of music. And for Billy, it's kind of the same thing, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I get to definitely infuse my creative, you know, uh, perspective on it. But um, every artist is different, and you kind of have to think in the back of your mind, like, who am I making this for? Who's gonna be represented by this, you know? Um, and so it's a little different, I guess, like person to person, but, um, I I try to just cater to people's strengths, like find out what is the, what, what are they the best at and, and exploit that and support that as much as possible. That would be like my best way to describe, you know, per artist, how you cater to them, like find out what they're really good at. You know, Billy's got a strong, strong vocal. Um, and usually the track, even in the, the way the track is mixed, it's heavily vocal. Like mm. there's not, you know what I mean? Even without Fawn in Love is a little different because there's so much track behind him. Um, but his vocal is still always on top. And that was that's always important, right? Just knowing 
the strengths of each artist mm-hmm. and then playing to those strengths, I think, you know. Yeah, that that makes sense. And do you ever, is there ever corporate or sort of label expectations? Do you ever get thrown a project with a caveat that says you have 30 days or I'm just making numbers up, but some amount of time to finish this and you need to spend however many hours doing it and no more than this and it needs to be done. Yeah, I haven't really been put on a, a time frame, like a time limit yet, I guess. I'm sure there are those things, you know. I'm sure, like, if uh, a label w- chose an artist to, to perform a song at the Olympics or write a song for the Olympics or for, you know, whatever it is. If there's, like, a, if there's a deadline, I'm sure you got to work. I mean, you got to put in the hours and get yeah. that song done and, and force it. A lot of the times, if you're lucky... You don't have to because it's the it's you got to let that creativity develop, you know, and you have mm-hmm. to kind of sometimes you have to simmer on it. It's, it you, doesn't come right away, yeah, you know. So of, I don't know. Of course. And how about um, could you see yourself? First of all, I should probably ask you this because if you if you ran into me and you didn't know who I was and we bumped into each other on an elevator, or actually probably more uh, um, uh, apropos would be if we sat next to each other at a bar and we started chatting. Um, what would you, what would you introduce yourself as? What, what occupation, what would you tell me you were? Uh, I'm, I'm a music producer, a recording engineer, uh, audio engineer, mixing engineer. Audio engineer would be the the global term, I guess. Uh, but the producers, the kind of the creative side of that, like I also produce and write a little bit, but mostly a music producer and an audio engineer, um, would be kind of the heart of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell an anecdote in a minute, but um, I want to set it up by just asking you what your, um, your, obviously you just don't wake up one day and say, hey, I want to be an audio engineer. You know, yeah, there, yeah. there's a path there and maybe talk about like the um, early stages of that path. Yeah, it wasn't, it, I, I'm definitely not like born into a, a a family of audio engineers. You know, it wasn't like a thing where I was like right from a kid, I wanted to do it, but um, so I was playing hockey um, my whole life. I was an, I was an athletic kid. Sports were kind of everything. It was hockey in the winter, lacrosse in the summer. Um, but when I got into high school, that's when I started to get introduced into like different forms of art. And I was you know doing theater and and you know uh, helping out with musicals and and kind of getting into that world of art and music mm. and tapping into that a little bit. Um, but that's when it really kicked off because back in those days, the YouTube musician thing was just starting. Right. And there were a couple YouTube musicians that I had seen that were just posting their versions of other people's songs on YouTube. And I'm sorry, Alex, what, yeah. what year was this? Oh God, this would have been, so if I was in high school, it would have been like 20, 2009, 2010 maybe. Okay. Yeah, yep. around that time. Um, and so I was watching, I was keeping an eye on the YouTube musicians. Now, again, I still had sports in my heart, but I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to make the NHL. There came a point when I was, you know, maybe 16, um, I didn't get drafted, Mm -hmm. you know, I had gotten invited out to some camps, but I kind of, it was fizzling. I could feel Mm -hmm. like that long lost dream of being an NHL star was not going to happen, you know? So, um, the hockey thing was tapering off and, as that was happening, I was like realizing this new passion for art and for music and, and, uh, you know, that sort of creative process. It wasn't based on my athletic ability anymore. It was more about how you can use that in your brain and, um, you know, Mm -hmm. be an artist essentially. And, and, um, so anyway, so I, I got into music that way. It was watching cover artists on YouTube post their covers. Um, 
now quickly I realized, okay, I don't have the talent or the natural skill to be a musician. Like I can't sing worth shit. You know, I can barely, I can play guitar and play my instruments mm -hmm. decent enough, but like I didn't have that like natural, some people can hear a song and just fucking sing on in tune and sing perfectly to it. And you know, I didn't have that, but I knew that watching the cover artists, the ones that seemed to do the best were the ones that had the best quality recordings. Um, and the best sounding stuff like people were posting little phone videos But if you couldn't hear what they were saying or if you couldn't like yeah, it was poor Yeah, yeah. you didn't want to rewatch it You yeah. know the ones that you wanted to rewatch over and over again were the good quality yeah, ones that you could just very polished right Yeah, yeah sink into yeah. so that's I, I, I got hooked on that How do you record and make something look and sound the best and how do you showcase that talent? You know even though it wasn't gonna be me, but how do you showcase that talent the best possible way you can and the high, the highest quality you can. Yeah. Yeah. So I got into it that way and I, I fell in love with recording and, and I built this room in my basement, you know, in the last few years of my hockey career and just started bringing in my friends that could sing, you know, from high school, yeah. bring them in, record some music, put up some covers on YouTube and things like that. Uh, that's, so That's terrific. It sounds like you have a, a lot of, uh, you've had a lot of latitude to, um, you know, some, some people aren't, they're just not fortunate enough. Maybe they, they want to do it, but they, they don't have the personal latitude to go out and do those things. And, and you've had that. And that's Yeah. I've been so lucky, man. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't really matter. Like, I, I feel like had I gone into this or any other mm. profession or any other thing that was inspiring me, like, you know, my parents were always supportive. Yeah. My family was always supportive. My friends were always supportive. You know, I've, I've just been lucky. You that's know. that's great. You know, and you te you teed this up personally because you mentioned friends and family. You mentioned um, uh, your your acoustic guitar skills, <laughs> and so that that leads to my or lack <laughs> thereof. Well, yeah. listen. So so I want to tell this anecdote. I, it's the first time I've ever. Uh, you know, and again, like uh, Alex and I are, are friends outside of here, so I've never told him this story. I was waiting for the right time, and um, it, my one of my earliest. Um, memories of you as an adult. I remember you as a kid, but one of my earliest memories of you as an adult was at a family gathering where you took an acoustic guitar out. I believe you had just started university. It was your last year of high school or you just started university. And you took an acoustic guitar out. There must have been 50 people in the room, maybe maybe 30, uh, who knows? It was over It was over 30, between 30 and 50. Yeah, Let's just with say our that. family, it would yeah, have had yeah, to it be. Was a, <laughs> it was, it was a, quite a gathering. Um, and I remember you doing a version on acoustic of Tom Petty's, uh, Tom Petty's song, Free Falling. And after you were done... I was first of all, I was just blown away. I love that music. I mean, that that's right up my alley, really. Um, I love the song. I love that version. And I remember distinctly, sort of leaning back in my chair in the chair I was sitting in after about seventeen cocktails, <laughs> and uh, thinking, "God, this guy has fucked every woman in university." Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with some envy i might add oh, sorry i apologize if i put you on the spot that a little bit hilarious. but that's that that's a true story as sure as i sit in this chair but um, that's what crossed your mind yeah <laughs> it's like god i'm so jealous of this guy oh my god <laughs> but it was fun i think don't, don't take that away from it and take take away the fact that i thought yeah i think you're doing yourself you're selling yourself short you're, you're being a little modest when you say you're not good at acoustic you're phenomenal let's thank come on, you come thank on you now. uh yeah the, i i guess i've i I, uh, I've seen a lot of incredible musicians in Nashville. That was one thing where like when I moved down there and I was 
in in these sessions watching these session players play man you realize like mm. there's there's you can play chords and you can get by right but then there's musician yeah. musicians professional where, oh people, my god right? where they just speak with their instrument and everything is so well placed and well played uh yeah so i i you know yeah to to anyone who who wasn't exposed to that or hasn't been exposed to that I can get by, right? Yeah. Like I can play at a bonfire and yeah, play yeah. at a family gathering, but <laughs> yeah. you know, um, there, there's some really, truly, truly great musicians. So I always try to, uh, you know, bear with me here as I, uh, uh, do my once per podcast Led Zeppelin reference. <laughs> so I have to do this because honestly, it's the only, they're the only artist like I'm not, I don't, art doesn't speak to me. Like I could pass, I've been to the Louvre in Paris and I've looked at the stuff and I appreciate how it looks, but it doesn't really say anything to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same with sculptures. Uh, I, I appreciate like architecture and stuff like that. I think it's really nice. But in terms of pure art, there isn't, there aren't a lot of things out there that speak to me. I don't have the background. I don't have, you know, it's just not part of who I am. But I will say this. Led Zeppelin, for some reason, I understand it. Like, I, it, when I hear it, I understand it. And I, over the years, I've, I've tried to analyze why that is because it's, it's kind of infuriating, uh, to be quite honest. But what I can decipher when I listen to a lot of their songs is I can hear every single instrument being pr played and you can tell it's profession. There's professionals playing those instruments because everything happens when it should happen. It right. all makes sense. Right. You don't know why, but it just at the end, it's this beautiful. It, it just blows. It blows me away when I hear it. And I've yeah. listened to. I've worn out more CDs, more tapes, um, listening to those songs, and they still. I mean, I was listening to it on the way here. I was mm -hmm. listening to the song called Ten Years Gone," and it blows me away. Yeah. And there isn't a lot out there that does. And so how do you, you know, when you, when you hear these um, uh, artists like, like Zepp or like, do you try to um, emulate things that, that they do? Not necessarily Zepp, but whoever your influences are, do you try and take things from them and yeah, I try to incorporate it? I think what you're talking about is like the magic. A lot of people, and I think rightfully so, say that music these days doesn't have the certain something that it used to, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of boils down to how it's made these days. Uh, it's way easier to make for sure, but it's way more visual. You're looking at grids and you're you're kind of following the algorithm that everyone in the last 10 years has set forward, right? Because everyone wants the number one. Everyone wants to be on the charts. And the only way to do that is to kind of do what's worked in the past, right? And maybe modify it, make it a little more unique. But when you listen to old music, there was no template there was no uh, set way. This is how you do it. You wait four bars, and then you go into your chorus, and then you, you, there was no math about it. It was more you had to listen and feel it. And I think that's what people talk about when they're, they say, like, that, that old music has the magic. It has that feeling to it, you know, whereas yeah. nowadays it's more math. You know, it's way more math, way more calculated. Not to say, I mean, there's some great music that comes out nowadays, yeah. and even people that make it on computers, you know, and program it and do it all, they are extremely talented, and there are some people that can infuse magic into that way of doing it. But I think back in the day, the musicians had to really pay attention and really focus on what everyone else is doing. They had to speak to each other and with each other. Mm. And there had to be a, 
a concept of what they were trying to say, right? Um, I just think it's it comes down to the way music was made. And when you hear, you know, Led Zeppelin or you hear Pink Floyd or uh, anything like that, it's all, it's orchestral. It's very... You're absolutely everything right. Everything kind it's, of It sounds very grand, doesn't other. it? Yeah. It sounds very grand, like this... There's a, there's an event happening here in this yeah, song. You yeah, know? exactly. You yeah. know, and and most of the time it was the message of the song was very powerful. Like you don't. I mean, I'm I'm sure there was some throwaways in you know some of the songs, but man, like nowadays most of the songs that come out on pop radio are about summer or about uh, you know drinking or partying yeah. or whatever it is. Like it's all. It's all in one little thing, yeah. whereas back in the day, they're they're tackling social issues and and you know politics and and things that are wrong with the world, and you know it was just a li- just a different time for making music. I think that's why there you, you hear that difference. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of just not sure what it is, yeah, but it's different. You know, like when I listen to Sam Cooke, mm-hmm. man, I don't know what it is. It's his voice, it's the passion, it's the soul, and you just it it comes through and it hits you in a different way. Right. You know, I don't know. There's just, there's just some, some difference there. Um, does, and it's almost an unfair question. I apologize if I, if I put you in the spot, I'm not asking you to talk for, or to, to speak on behalf of artists or, or the music industry as a whole, but does radio play matter anymore? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think it still does a little bit. Um, obviously the streaming game took over massively. I mean, mm. Spotify and Apple Music and sometimes getting on a good Spotify playlist is better than getting on a good radio station, you know? Mm. But I do think that radio play matters to the general subconscious of people. Like, I know for me, when I get in a car and I hear that same song that I heard 50 times yesterday mm. and it's still, there's just something about it that makes you go, oh, it must be a good song. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. even if it's right, not right? right, but I think it kind of sits in your subconscious just because it's in that it's in that format. You're just hearing it everywhere. You're hearing it in your car, hearing it at the grocery store. It just sits in in the background, you know, and becomes an earworm kind of thing. Um, do, do you get when you hear one of Billy's songs on the radio? Do you still get excited? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes like when I'm not, when I haven't even recorded them or like been a part of them, yeah, yeah. I, 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 of course, I'm, I get proud. You know, I'm, I'm. To see someone that's, you know, so close to me and someone that comes from the same town, mm. kind of a similar background, similar family, like to see that, to see him find success and to see people recognize it um, because he's not, you know, he's not a, a hugely mainstream artist. He's got some songs that can definitely tap into the mainstream pop culture, but I think there's a lot of people, um, well, I, I I just think it's it's not as he's not as recognized as he should be just because of how much I know go he puts into it, how much soul he puts into yeah. it, how much time and effort and and it's his whole life. It's literally his whole life. He'll never stop doing music. And to see someone like that that I know is is like that towards mm-hmm. his craft, uh, anytime he has any little inkling of success, I love it, man. Yeah. We get we get pumped up. We call each other and you know that's terrific. And uh, I know you spend a lot of time with him, um, and you have spent a lot of time with him on tour even maybe talk about that a little how was how was going on tour you did yeah. you guys go to europe you guys went to europe yeah didn't you? a couple yeah. times yeah we've been we've been across the pond a couple times uh the touring things was unexpected but it was so much fun man like it still is it, fun you it, know and before you get into it i apologize for cutting you off uh, maybe just 
talk about what your responsibilities were, just the framework of your responsibilities, and yeah. then talk about the tour itself and maybe any shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess the the ma- my main job was to mix front of house, mix the concert for the audience. Right now, generally on a, a, a with a touring band, they have a crew that goes along with them. They have someone to mix the monitors on stage. They have someone to mix the front of house. They have someone that tour manages. They have someone that sells merch. And they all travel on buses and they all go from city to city and, and bring this traveling show, right, you know, right. from, from venue to venue. Um, with Billy, you know, he, he hadn't had uh, any kind of breakthrough success or any kind of massive success yet. So I was taking on, I was wearing a bunch of different hats and I was taking on a lot of jobs on the mm-hmm. tour. And granted, it was a small tour. I mean, we weren't, we're not, you know, we're not filling trucks of gear and stuff like that. Like we're packing everything sometimes into a Volkswagen Jetta, you know, <laughs> most of the time wow. into a Sprinter van, but so, you know, sometimes it was just him and I in a Volkswagen Jetta. And, uh, my role was to tour manage, uh, and mix front of house, um, and mix his monitors and helps with merch and just help all around, just be like an all around kind of aid. But yeah, uh, the touring thing was crazy, man, because I didn't, so I, you mentioned I went to Blackbird, yeah. but Blackbird has two, uh, sections they have a studio engineering program and then a live sound engineering program oh, okay and they're two different animals like mm. you know you could you could spend years in the studio and never have mixed a concert and you could it's a scary experience going yeah. into mixing a yeah. concert there's so many different variables it's just a you, it's a different craft you have to learn from the start so billy when he started touring was like hey man i know you've never done this before but you're good in the studio just come out just see if you can learn mm. it and he kind of put his trust in me to do that and Man, it was scary. I'll, I'll mm. tell you, the first first year or so was very scary, oh. and I learned a lot really, really quickly. Um, yeah, so I, I started doing that and fell in love with it, man. Like, it, so it, I I've heard a lot of artists talk about how um, exciting it is to perform a live concert and how how they just get a rush. And even though predominantly they're money losers, <laughs> they still love doing them because you know, they love performing in front of people. Is there an analogy to be drawn um, in terms of um, setting up the sound? Do you, so would you rather be out doing a concert, doing sound for a concert, or would you rather be in a studio sort of? I don't know. Out? Yeah, it's, 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 they're different things. There's different highs. Like in the studio, you'll get a high when something clicks and something works and everyone looks around in the studio like, oh, that was awesome. Let's, you know, that's a high for sure in the studio world. In the concert world, mm-hmm. When you're in Europe and you're in a, a, a packed room in, you know, Munich, mm. let's say, mm. and every single person in there is singing the words, every single word to a song that Billy and I recorded in my bedroom a month ago in Nashville. Mm. That was a di- totally different experience. And I'm not even on stage. I'm at the back, like, mixing, you know, and I'm hearing people sing these words and that... Like when you know everyone's with the 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 concert and they're they're there, like they're they're with Billy and they're completely engaged. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is a totally different experience than anything you'll ever feel in a studio. And there's a there's you know, you get the you get the goosebumps, you get the tingles, and you can feel just all the collective attention yeah. ha- happening, you know, on what's happening. And it's it's bizarre and so cool like yeah. i'm so grateful i got to experience that and we like you said like we traveled in europe we traveled every state in the u.s and 
man, there have been some incredible shows. There have been some not so great shows with, yeah. you know, 12 people in the room and half yeah. of them are at the bar drinking and, you know, like there have been those, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's quite a rush, man. That's uh, fascinating. And you, you must, um, you must have learned so much about yourself as well. I'm just assuming that, that you do when you when you get on the road. I mean, I, I travel for work as well. And when you're out on the road, man, you really, at least you were, you know, you, you had, a um, you were traveling with people, you're traveling with Billy and, um, other help. But sometimes when you travel by yourself, it's kind of like, um, you get very introspective and it, mm-hmm. and it may happen to you when you had sort of time by yourself, but you, you do learn to overcome challenges when, when you, you know, sort of through trial and error and through just uh, the circumstances really. So I, I'm picturing when you, when you're telling me about working like a concert in Munich, I'm picturing you having to liaise with some guy that doesn't really speak that great English <laughs> yeah. and yeah. having to explain to him why this fucking setting needs <laughs> to be here and don't fucking argue with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to, you know, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, was, was there a lot of those moments? Was, was there some? Yeah, there... definitely had to, especially the tour managing side of things, man. Like, I mean, I'm an audio guy. I'm a, I love music. I don't know how to book hotels and book routes and rent cars and do all that so i've i obviously had a lot of help from his management um and thank god for them because otherwise i probably wouldn't have been able to pull it off but yeah like like you have to learn how to deal with people you know you definitely that was the biggest thing man is how to deal with strangers and this i mean the best example that i could draw and i would give this advice to anyone in touring or in the touring industry ever you're going to bring your touring crew into somebody's home every night you're going to bring it into the house of blues in chicago and mm-hmm. then you're going to bring your touring crew into uh you know a, a venue in seattle and you're going to you're just going to be in a bunch of different places and each venue is going to have their own crew their own house guys right. their yeah. job is to help you yeah. but if you're if you come in with a chip on your shoulder and if you're a dick about everything mm. they're not going to help you and they don't want to help you and they don't care how well your show goes yeah. they're on they're on the clock you know they, they could care less so the biggest thing I learned was to be thankful that there's people there to help you put on your show, um, especially in our case when we didn't have anyone. We didn't have crew. It was me, right? Like I had to set up the merch and set up this and and uh, make sure the sound is good and uh, make sure, th- you know, anyone wa- that wants to come in and say hi before the show can has a pass to get in, yeah, things like yeah, that. The guest list yeah. is submitted, so, you know. So as the, as the clock is ticking towards um, the curtain going up, you're – running the more you're running around right yeah is that that basically yes absolutely like i i would uh you know i think anyone that you know any one of our family or friends that's come to a hometown show here can attest to the fact that you know i probably wasn't all there when i'm you know i'm seeing my friends that i haven't seen in a year or something like that Mm -hmm. and i'm like hey how's it going i gotta go bye like you know and you're just running running to get to the next spot because there's you know even on a small tour there's always stuff uh there's always people that you have to make sure get taken care of and the, obviously the band comes first and billy comes first and that's your that's priority number one absolutely um but there's always extra stuff that you got to deal with and yeah. you're always you're always running around and it's getting you're getting close to showtime and you're trying to mm. finish sound check and you know that, that fucking frequency won't go away and you can't you know like there's just like things that that build up but yeah, yeah. You know. and so when billy starts playing it then there's you, you just have you're sort of on um you're just monitoring, right? You're just kind of listening, making sure nothing goes wrong. Or are you still sort of running around doing? No, things? no, no. I'm behind the soundboard. Okay. Well, yeah. So I would say about about 15 minutes before show is when 
you know, I'm in the green room with normally about 15 minutes before a show. I'm in the green room with the guys um, uh, and girl, at least sometimes when uh, our bassist is there as well. Um, and we're, we're getting ready, making, I'm making sure they're good. Waters are on stage, you know, set lists are on stage if they, if they have set lists. Um, I'm usually going out and checking instruments. Um, but it's, it's show at that point, you know, the merch and all that stuff and the guest list. If, if I haven't gotten those ducks in a row, you know, 10 yeah. minutes before show, I'm not going to get them, you know, the, the show absolutely comes first. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I would say about, about 20 minutes before show, I'm like, I'm about the show. And then, um, normally I'll say my goodbyes to the guys and tell them, you know, I'll, I'll usually we just text each other. Like I'll just text Billy from the soundboard, like, yeah. Hey man, you ready to go? And I'll fade the music that, you know, kind yeah, of thing. We'll start yeah. our show. Um, so yeah. And then I'm behind the soundboard and when I'm mixing, I mean, I'm mixing like there's, you could come up to me and ask me a question and I'm not, yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't even hear it, you know? Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's, there's definitely a lot to do, especially as a mixing engineer. I think what a lot of people don't realize is, um, you know, people think, oh, you're just manning the controls of the soundboard. But like in Billy's case, it was a lot of creative mixing. It was pushing the reverb up in certain moments and making sure certain moments feel like the record and pulling things down where they, when, you know, in, in certain parts of the song. So little things like that, you know. And let's say there is a problem um, with the sound. Is there any, first of all, is there any way for um, the guys up on stage to communicate with you? Like, do you guys have a, like a signal not really no? not it's, really so it's all on you yeah it's right? pretty much all on me um now what so the system we have is they're on in-ears right so so we can pre-program what they hear every night okay so yeah. it's consistent mm. usually we don't have problems with our in-ears um now if we need to talk to each other if billy's on stage and i need to talk to him which this has happened a bunch uh, i have a microphone that will only go to their in-ears okay and so i have that set up at front of house so um for example if we're opening a show for a band and there's a time limit. Like, like we have to be off the stage at, you know, 7.45, not a minute over. If if we're getting close to 7.45 and I know that the next song is three and a half minutes, you yeah, know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm in their ear going, hey, guys, get into it. Like, mm. let's go. You got to wrap this up mm. quick. Um, things like that. If there's ever – we've had technical issues where, like, I've had to tell Billy, um, you know, like, stall for me. It's stall mm. while I run up on stage and fix the lights, you know, things oh, like wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We had a show in New York. I had to actually, it was like the first time we were using this new lighting setup and I actually had to run from front of house on stage, uh, and like reset the lights essentially, and then run all the way back and like get through the crowd, you know, oh, like wow. move my way through the crowd. What venue did you play in, uh, did he play in New York? Oh, we've done a few. Um, oh my God. I'm going to, we've, we've done Irving. Um, uh, what's the, Bowery Ballroom? Oh, we've yeah, done been yeah, there. Done the Bowery, yeah. uh, Mer- Mercury Lounge, yeah, Mercury Lounge. We've done. Is it Mercury Lounge or Mercy? Mercury Lounge. I'm pretty sure. Okay. They all blend together, man. They all fuse together, so it's hard to, uh, it's hard to do. We've done pianos, which is like a tiny little like restaurant. That was oh, like one wow. of the first ones we did. Yeah, uh, or bar, I guess, with a venue attached to it. Um, yeah, we've done a few in New York. Yeah, I'm sure I'm missing a couple. But do you have a favorite city? I mean, just musically, do you have a favorite city do you, that you guys like to play? Or are they all kind of? I'm gonna kind of sell myself out here, but uh, Amsterdam was oh wow by far like my favorite place ever. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I, I just I know that's kind of a a typical answer, but man, when I when we first went there, just to experience that city and see the like, just feel the vibe. It was so reckless and crazy and 
just chaotic, you know? It was just nuts over there, and we had such a good time. I had the best food of my life in Amsterdam. Wow. Cafe de Close for anyone that wants that's <laughs> in Amsterdam or going to Amsterdam. Cafe de Close, best ribs ever. Oh, really? Oh, my yeah? God, okay. yeah. It's just best smoked meat, best everything, man. It was phenomenal. That's one of those places on the bucket list for me. I, I've never been. I've traveled a bunch, but I've never been. I've flown through that airport, Schiphol, a bunch of times, mm-hmm. but I've I've never actually spent any time in Amsterdam, and it's, pro- it's probably better off for my health. I but, feel but like I you would love it. Yeah, you might not come back if you <laughs> Um But uh, so... Uh, I guess we're this. What is this? Day number three thousand five hundred ninety-six of COVID here. Yeah, we're, that's what it feels I mean, like. It's dying a slow death here, <laughs> and um, not to be. What's what's taking taking up your time during like this? Have you had to? Have you been introspective at all about you know what? Looking back, you know, now that you've had a little bit of breathing room to say, you know, look at this. This is what I've done so far, and this is where I want to go. Have you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I've been. I haven't really thought about it too too much to be honest um still working quite a bit from home in this room so i'm still doing uh you know quite a bit but um i haven't really thought too much about you know i've been thinking about the future and kind of what the next few years are going to look like especially Mm. now that all this has happened but yeah i don't know i've been just trying to take care of myself man just trying to work out and um feel happy or feel happier hang out with my family have dinner every night you know I just got my mom and, and her boyfriend into Breaking Bad, so we've been watching. Oh, I've been doing a Breaking Bad yeah. rewatch. Yeah, <laughs> that should keep them occupied for a while. Yeah, exactly. That, oh, yeah. That, that's good. Yeah. How about you? How are you doing during the quarantine? You know, it's been an interesting time. I, um, I'm used to moving a thousand miles an hour, literally, like like a chicken with my head cut off, and uh, it's been a real adjustment. It was real tough the first few weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I before COVID. I, I think I averaged like three flights a week going here to there. And then it just came to like an abrupt stop. Uh, and it was kind of a tough adjustment. And I had that moment where I, I'm a real creature of uh, habit. So if I get into something and I like it, like if I feel good, I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. And there was a, I had a sense that this was going to last a while early on. I'm like, mm, you're going to shut down the economy and what? You're going to reopen in two weeks? Eh, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 have a, I had a feeling it would last at least two months. So at that point I decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to work out. You know, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to try and get to sleep rather than go the other way. Cause I mean, I could easily, I could have easily, I'm, the, I'm that type of person where I could easily go the other way. And I could drink three 26ers of whiskey a week. Right, right. And go find social activities, COVID or no COVID. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I'm yeah. glad I, I I chose the second one, to be quite honest. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling good. Obviously, you know, I see you every day um, uh, on the way to working out. And, uh, you know, it's you know, knock on wood, it's uh, it's been a, a more positive experience than I thought it was going to be when it first started. Yeah, yeah, that's good, man. I know I, I, it, it did seem like I, there have been some moments where it was like, Ooh, are we ever going to get through this? But now I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's the new normal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the way things are, I guess, you know. Yeah. Make yeah. the best of it. That's it. I just have, we just have to, you know, push through the last little bit here. It sounds, it sounds like things are loosening up. Uh, and, um, yeah. you know, I think the border's going to open, what, July 24th or something. But I know you have, um, we were talking before we started recording here that y- you are sort of getting pulled uh, back towards Nashville to, get things going again maybe talk about that if yeah you yeah i work for an artist in nashville um called hunter hayes uh and he 
he's working on an album right now. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I might be allowed to say that. I, I think it's I think it's general news. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's it's well known by now. But um, yeah, he's working on an album, so I, I kind of have to get back there um, to help out and and be around. And uh, so I'm I'm planning my my way back. It's just running into complications with the border. Um, obviously we're on a border city, so it shouldn't be that hard, but yeah, they, they've shut everything down. So it's, it's been tough to figure out how to get back there, but, um, it'll happen. Everything's going to ease up a little bit in the next, I mean, I say that, but who knows? Yeah. Really? You, you never really know, but no, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, I, I think, I don't think you'll, you should have an issue. Um, so where, what does the future hold for? What do you want to like accomplish in music? You know, when, when, when you're, when you have your feet kicked up on the porch when you're 65 years old and retired in your Malibu mansion. <laughs> um, I like it. I like all, it yeah, so far. I mean, you know, you like, <laughs> you know, all music people retire in Malibu, don't they? Um, but when you look back, what do you, what will be the career highlights for Alex C? Well, it's been, it, it's hard to think about because I don't know where this is heading. I, I, I do feel like I have a hand on the wheel, but I don't necessarily know where the music industry is heading in the next 10 years. And I don't know where I'm going to fit into that industry in the next 10 years. Um, I'm definitely, what worries you about that? What, or not worries you, but what, what, what's out there that you, is it tech, is it a technological advancement that you think? And, and I think that social media is really affecting the way things happen. I mean, we see that in the political sphere today too. And, and, just in any kind, it's affecting everything. And I think that that might be the the root cause of a lot of change, which it has been already. And now, again, it's like we talked about, you know, how music is made and how quickly it's made these days. And I don't know, it's just hard to tell what it's going to be like in five, ten years. And maybe I won't enjoy it in five, ten years. Maybe it, it could be something that I don't want to be a part of anymore. You know, I, I'm very open to that possibility. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not that. I hope it turns out great and it's something that I want to do forever, you know, but um, it, I don't know. The future is very unknown to me and mm-hmm. I'm kind of okay with it at this point in my okay. life. I'm, I, I've, I've done a lot in music already just at this age that I'm extremely proud of and extremely like I can look back and, and tell some goofy stories and, and, you know, think about some cool things that happened to me in Nashville in the last five, six years. So I, I, I don't mean I'm not done by any means, but at the same time, like who knows, maybe, maybe in a year I wake up and I want to be a botanist all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I want to, I don't know, you know, who knows what's going to happen. So. It's, um, I think you have a lot of avenues, um, you know, sort of you've, you've done, uh, so much work for some pretty high profile people. I think people down in Nashville know who you are. Um, I, I shared, um, uh, I, I was on an airplane from Los Angeles to San Francisco. This is about two years ago. And I got bumped up to first and the guy sitting next to me was in the music industry. And, you know, he started chatting and he said, I asked him, you know, you know, who do you work for? Like what artist do you work for? He's like, oh, I don't work for an artist. You know, I work for uh, a company that does um, TV commercials. I said, oh, wow, you know, that's fantastic. And I said, what have you worked on recently? And he told me he worked for, he did a commercial for uh, one of the major auto manufacturers. And, you know, after, you know, like half a dozen Woodford Reserves, we started talking about money. And he told me how much he made. And I almost fell off my chair. Yeah. You know, like, 
he made us he makes a substantial amount of money for something that maybe people in the industry would go ah yeah he just does commercial i'm like damn that's a good way to make a living yeah. uh, there's harder ways than that and yeah. uh, it's a pretty nice he told me he goes into work at like 10 a.m. and he leaves at 2 yeah, that's kind of gig. Probably from to. his home too. Probably yeah. from his basement like this. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Man, I've I've actually thought about that, like writing for, um, you know, companies, you know, coming up with music and composing music for commercials or for advertising, uh, TV shows is huge. Writing little like jingles for TV shows, uh, there's payouts, you know, especially if the show's good and, and takes <laughs> off a little bit. Absolutely, you know, yeah. There's get, definitely some good payouts. And you get that. the residuals, right, too, if they, yeah. if they keep playing. Like, I don't the know. Royalties, who, yeah. Yeah, whoever yeah. came up with, um, you know, the theme song to Seinfeld or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they get, like, a, a nickel for every time one of those, or however, I'm just making a number up, but they get some amount of money every time that thing plays on, yeah. on rerun. And Mailbox like, money, oh, baby. Yeah. yeah. It just comes in every couple weeks. That's when you're in Malibu. Yeah, like, exactly. When, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll shoot for. Maybe I'll transition over into writing jingles for TV shows. Good stuff. Um, is there um, is there any particular artist that you want to work with? Like, you know, yeah, that you can. Yeah, yeah. there's one so guy I, in particular I would love to work with. The problem is he's so damn talented that he wouldn't need me. Like anything that I like, because he's an, he's an artist, but. He also like pretty much engineers his own stuff and produces all his own stuff. Um, John Bellion to me was a guy that like when I first heard his music, it revitalized me. Like it was like, oh, you don't have to follow what everyone else is doing and you can have a new modern touch on something without it sounding like everything else. Mm. And um, just his attention to detail how dedicated he is. Like I've spent hours watching videos of him like making his music and just how passionate he is about it. John Bellion to me is like, if I could just get in the room with him and just see how his brain operates, you know, for a couple hours, I think that would be so special. That'd be awesome. That's great. And I'm sure there's a few more. I I hope I'm not, uh, there's this guy, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of people that are just incredibly talented. I would love to just see how they operate. You know, Mm -hmm. even guys like J Cole, you know, uh, Kendrick, mm-hmm. like rap, even yeah. in the rap game, I think that would be so cool that just would to be see cool. them work, man, you know, come up with all these lyrics on the spot. Well, probably on the spot, but I don't know. Yeah, I, there's a bunch of people that I'd love to I'd love to work with. Yeah, I mean, I just, as you said, Kendrick, I was like, you know, picturing um, just the, the rap um, recording sessions just seemed like a world that I would love to be a part of. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. <laughs> lounging around like a studio and just when some creativity hits, people go start start recording and singing. And yeah, um, it just seems like a lot of fun. I, I remember, uh, I don't know why I'm thinking of this now, but I remember Eddie Murphy recorded a song called uh, Party All the Time <laughs> way back in the 80s. And Rick James was part of that recording. And everybody should go look up the video to Party All the Time. Because that is what um, one of those. I'd love to be a part of those sessions, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's chilling it's on the, the couch, yeah. smoking a fat doobie, <laughs> I, <laughs> waiting I, for something I, to come I, up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It just sounds like a lot of fun. That's that's the yeah. kind of creativity I uh, I'm down with. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really interesting. We, we were talking before we started recording here about um, you know what are we going to talk about today? Um, somebody asked us what we're going to talk about today. And the first thing that came to my mind, and I thought about this, and one of the reasons why I wanted to do it with you was I would never, you would think that music, 
the people that work in the music industry uh, are, they all live in Los Angeles County and drive to wherever to, you know, record the music or maybe New York or, or whatever. Here you are, a native of, uh, you know, the of Windsor of Southwestern Ontario, uh, and you're in the industry, you're contributing to it, you're influential, you know a lot about it. Um, I think it's a fascinating story. And uh, I think, do you have, so there's probably, as we listen to the music in our car and, and we think, you know, where, how did this all get made? And wow, it sounds so good. You don't have to live in Los Angeles to be part of that. So what, right. what, what would you say to somebody that's interested in getting into the industry and you know, how do you, where do they start? How do they start? Where do they go? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it feels mysterious at the beginning. And that's why I wanted to go to Nashville. Cause it, for me, it was like, there was this wall of like, I don't know how they do this. I don't know how they record it so well and mix it so well and how it sounds so good. So it, for me, I had to go just to tame that curiosity. Uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go to Nashville, New York or LA, but I do think there's something to be said for if you're curious about something, and you want to do it at the highest possible level, go to where they're doing it at the highest possible level. For me, I was into country music, you know, before I left for Nashville. So I was like, where are they making these hit country tracks? Oh, I quick Google search and sure enough, Blackbird Studios, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they got nine rooms and oh, they have an academy. And I, I ended up just wanting to go there to learn and get an inside look. And I think if you just put your, if you put your face in front of people, and you have good intentions and you're passionate about it, I think it's inevitable that you get pulled in and, and you make connections. Like for me at Blackbird, um, I did really well in, the, in my class. I was like pretty, pretty much the top of my class. And um, just as I was about to graduate, there was an engineer, a big engineer in Nashville that was looking to uh, hire an assistant. And so he, he taught classes at the academy from, that, from time to time. And mm. he asked you know one of the, the teachers like, hey, who who's good like who's a young upstart kind of uh you know kid that wants to do this and they recommended me right away and i i met with him his name was steve mark antonio i should mention that because uh steve was a massive massive reason uh as to why i did so well in nashville and coming out of the program he brought me into the studio with all the artists that he was working with and i'm and steve is like he's an engineer, man. Mm. He is, he's got such a fantastic ear and he was working with some of the best country artists and rock artists, you know, around at the time in Nashville. And I was getting pulled into rooms with Cheap Trick and, you know, Steven Tyler and, you know, uh, Brantley Gilbert and Eric Church and Hank Williams Jr., like guys like that. And uh, me as a kid from LaSalle, right? Yeah, and yeah. I go there for six months to take this program um, and out of the program I get hired and a few weeks later I'm, I'm sitting next to Rick Nielsen while he's recording a guitar part you know mm. like that to me was proof that like if you just if you're curious about it and you have you're able to I was lucky I had the resources I was able to go to to Nashville to do this but if you're curious about something go put yourself in front of of those people and just kind of try to inject yourself into that scene and and if you're if you have good intentions and you're you work hard and you're helpful um that's that it you, there's no denying just, yeah. that, you know, like you're going to get, you're going to get pulled into those rooms with people. You're going to, you're going to find your way. And you being know? open to the experiences and what, you know, people are, it's not being narrow in, in sort of your, uh, 
you, you may go into it. In other words, you may go into this idea with, well, I really want to work on, uh, I really want to work with artist A or, or artist A's genre. Right. But being open to it, right? Being yeah. open to all these different experiences and uh, sort of um, being malleable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you're not going to probably won't get exactly what you want right away if you're if you're thinking you want to go work with the weekend you know you yeah. might <laughs> you might have to get coffee for someone else in in the meantime until you get there but it's all just stepping stones and for me like again like when i was getting pulled into these rooms with these big artists that i felt like i had no business being in these rooms with i didn't i knew i wasn't going to i mean steve was engineering i was assisting um but i knew i wasn't gonna help them with the music making process even mm. though it was technically my job so i had to kind of think of how can i be helpful what would make people's lives easier and mm. that's the advice i would give to someone if you're trying to get into especially engineering um you know try to be helpful in ways that you know obviously one don't be starstruck and try try to keep yeah. your shit together and and yeah. you know act cool but um just be helpful man a lot of a lot of these people are just normal people and they don't want to be fluffed up and they don't want to have their tires pumped all the time but um, but be helpful you know if someone uh needs a lyric sheet printed out or whatever be the first one to get out yeah. of, up out of your chair and go get it you know and go have coffee have water there make it comfortable for them because that i think if you're an artist when you come into a scenario like that like that is that makes the biggest difference right yeah. when you know someone's kind of there like paying attention to what what's needed you know what what are the little tedious things that no one wants to do go do that yeah you know yeah. go be that guy Kind of thing. I think that I, I hear that a lot. Um, it, it, people that getting started in whatever industry they're um, they they want to get into is do the job, do the things that other people don't want to do. Yeah, that that's yeah. sort of the way to um, get in there. Do you have a favorite song ever? Oh my god! Sorry there's to put couple. you in the spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple songs that when I hear them, I just kind of. I, I'm like I sink into them. There's there's a there's a there's an artist named Bonnie Vera, a band named Bonnie Vera. The artist is uh, Justin Vernon. Okay. Um, and this guy is just one of the most incredible music makers of all time. I should have maybe mentioned him when you asked me who I'd like to work with because yeah. to see how he makes mm -hmm. this shit would be nuts. But um, there's a song called Holocene uh, by Bonnie Vera, mm -hmm. and it's just an incredibly beautiful arrangement. Uh, of music and it's just it's amazing That's interesting. um and then another song that i heard recently well fairly recently i'd say in the last year is a song called stupid deep by john bellion um and mm -hmm. that one to me again just hit all the right spots yeah. i don't know there's th th there's something about those two songs i'm, I'm a yeah. sucker for sad songs like, i'm a sucker for like sad emotional mm -hmm. hopeful kind of songs um so those would be two songs, or like if I, if I was out on a desert island and I could only pick two. Yeah, yeah. those would be them. I, I might want to pick one more upbeat, I guess, if I had to, just for, for the good times, but <laughs> I don't know. But I hear you too. I mean, I, I sort of gravitate towards those songs too. I, I gravitate towards, um, actually, this is the best way to explain it. I really identify if I hear um, pain in like the artist's voice. Mm. I, I, it resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. And I always wonder how artists that grew up in like upper middle class um, environments, how does it translate? It can't translate. I don't know if it can translate to, you know, when I hear Axl yeah. Rose and some of his music, you, this is a pain. You can tell it's a pained human being. Yeah. Like he has pain. Yeah. Uh, 
and it, and it resonates, you know, it's, it's uh, not just to me, obviously to millions and millions of other people. And I, I don't, yeah, it's just something that um, sort of I think about, but to, do, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got to be genuine, right? And, you know, if, if you're singing about something that you don't actually mean, it's probably going to come across that way. Like yeah. people will probably see through that. Yeah, you like know? it sounds phony, right? People are kind of uh, x-ray machines in that sense. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's, de- and whether your pain is, you know. Uh, relationship, temporary pain. Yeah, whether or- it's something as small as that or something as big as like Sam Cooke singing a change going to, a change going to come. Like, yeah. you know, like it, wh- wh- whether it's one or the other, as long as you're singing what's true to you, I think yeah. that's what's important. It doesn't matter if it's not as deep or as crazy as someone else's pain but as long as you're not phony about it yeah. you know sing about what's real to you and uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly um a concert by an artist dead or alive who who Ooh. if you had one if you're like going to the gallows the next day and they said you know you got Vare. yeah yeah okay. absolutely that's bucket list number one mm-hmm. like if there's one person i want to see live it's it's Justin Vernon, you know, playing with Bonnie Vare. I just I've I've seen videos of them on YouTube playing their live show. One, the songs are incredible. His voice is incredible. The musicianship is incredible. Um, but I've also because I'm a nerd, I've also heard a lot about how good it sounds. Like I guess their their front of house engineer is just a wizard. And anyone that's been to a Bonnie Vare concert. Uh, you know, from what I've read online, has said that it's like one of the most incredible, like sonic experiences yeah. they've ever experienced. So yeah, I probably probably Bonnie Vare would be bucket list for me. Wow, yeah. good stuff. I got a lot of stuff that I got to research now after after I'm done this. I mean, you dropped some artists and some songs that I've I've never heard of. So yeah, um, they're weird ones yeah. too. I know I I get they're not like your typical. I mean, I'm sure if I thought back to. Like Marvin Gaye, you know, like Marvin and, Gaye you know, was phenomenal. Yeah, like like that is all, those are kind of givens. I like the weird stuff, you know, mm. nowadays. But um, Bon Iver for sure is like yeah. huge. I just love his music, man. Is it incredible? Like around this area, you mentioned Marvin Marvin Gaye's name. This area has produced some incredible artists, like yeah. you know, Windsor, the Detroit. Um, Marvin, I, I remember one of my first memories of. Um, sort of music it wasn't even like a, an actual s- song like on the radio i was watching the i think it was the 1983 nba all-star game and marvin gay sang the national anthem but unlike any other as a matter of fact when we're done here i'll, I'll pull it up yeah, yeah it's the most incredible version of a national anthem that i've i've heard since then it's like this. This is an eighty three, nineteen eighty three, wow. in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and he came out in these. I could picture him, man. He had a he had like a suit on. He had like a like a businessman suit with a tie. He looked phenomenal, and he had these dark sunglasses. And he came out, and I think at the beginning people were like, "Huh?" <laughs> yeah. But at the end, they were just like, they everybody loved it. It was at the Los Angeles Forum uh, in Manchester. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was just, uh, one of my favorite memories, but. Um, so if anybody out there listening to this wants to get a hold of you, maybe ask you a question, ask you questions about the industry or how to get into it or yeah. your experiences, do you mind giving us your Twitter handle? Or yeah. Your, Instagram mainly, yeah, I guess yeah. would be the best way. Yeah. I, I'm, and I'm pretty Like I'll answer anyone, anyone that's got a question. You Good. Know, yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, I'm Alex Segan. I think is what it is. Yeah, I just we'll, changed it to that. Yeah. We'll put it up on, um, right here on the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I, you know, 
uh, Alex, I mean, obviously, you know, we're friends, but I, I honestly really appreciate appreciate you doing this and yeah. helping the podcast out. And uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. I've learned a lot. I've asked, I've wanted to ask you a lot of the things outside, but I've been saving it for for this because yeah. um, it's it's been fasc- a fascinating uh, introduction to this um, to the world of music, which is something we all do every day. We listen to freaking music yeah. every day. Yeah, and no one knows how it's made. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm glad, man. Thank you for for having me. I mean, I love talking about it. No one really, like I said, no one knows how it's made. Even my mom and you know people that are really close to me, like. They don't like. They're like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "I I mix and engineer." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, but w- like, what do you do?" Like, you know, no one really knows. So for to get to talk about it and to, with you, you know, being curious about it, like, thank you, thank yeah. you for asking me to to be on this, and I love it, man. It's been fun. Good stuff. Well, that concludes um, episode two of the nitty gritty. We have some uh, great guests coming uh, booked and coming up. I know COVID threw a little bit of a hitch into one of the guests. We have a um, the CFO of a multinational corporation that we had booked, but uh, COVID sort of threw a loop into that, but we have rescheduled that one. And we have two more that are on the books for the next couple of weeks after this one, but this one's going to go into production and hopefully it'll be up uh, in a week or so. But Alex, again, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, and man. That is it. We're out later. Bye. I